0: Hi, I'm Jennifer Isabella,
1: and I'm Melissa Parrish,
0: your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. Today, we're joined by senior analyst Judy Weider and researcher Sam Karpinski to discuss what customer experience professionals can expect in 2022. Welcome both. Thanks
2: so much for having us. Yeah, We're delighted to be here.
0: So let's talk about all of the things that maybe CX professionals will be facing in 2022. And I feel like some of this may not be new news, but when you see the waterfront of what's happening in the market, lots of dynamics, what are those outside factors that CX professionals will be grappling with in 2022? And then we can talk about what are some of the things that they will be really going deep on where they can control and help with obviously customer experience.
3: There's a lot of 2020 that moved into 2021 and we're expecting some of that to continue into 2022, but because it's been going on for so long, it's almost like pain that just keeps getting worse in some ways because it's become chronic. And as it has done so, it has brought, additional problems to light that maybe we didn't realize were such drastic issues and cx pros are going to need to step up in 2022 because this pain isn't going away and in some cases because it is getting worse so i'll, I'll let sam take the first piece of this and then i've i've got some thoughts around where cx leaders are going to need to go from here
2: as judy said um The last few years, you know, we may feel done with them, but uh, they're not done with us. So one piece of that is the pandemic and the fallout. We all know that shortages of raw materials and manufactured goods are going to hit everyone this year, uh, both in B2B and B2C companies. So for us, well, we'll get into this in a minute, but we're looking at how CX Pros can mitigate that fallout and kind of ameliorate the situation.
3: Yeah, I I think... The big problem with something like a shortage or any other kind of disruption is that it requires that the entire firm figures out how to solve for it. And anyone who's ever been in retail or food service or any other very customer facing role has had to figure out how you scramble when something doesn't go the way that you expect it to. And so customer experience isn't just a differentiator. It's also the thing that's going to lift the company out of that uncertain kind of choppy water. So this is where we're looking at the extent that CX leaders can do things like work with their marketing, their product teams, their customer support teams, really network with a lot of folks, which will be a continuing theme. I'll get back to that in a sec. Um, Talking with all these different folks and trying to figure out how do we solve for it? So maybe it's offering different kinds of goods rather than having the same things that you would normally push out, or maybe it's relying on a smaller set of things, creating a list of easy replacements. Hey, we don't have this cereal available, but have you tried this other one? That's a really good replacement for this one. That's typically your favorite. We've seen a lot of that where things just are coming off of shelves because there simply isn't enough to go around. And recently there was a story about how, um, some toy manufacturers are looking at, um, using soft toys that are squishier to be able to take up less space and to be able to ship more stuff and that bigger items are are gonna be less available come this holiday season. So, I mean, I think you have to adjust and CX leaders have to be part of that solution because they're the ones that are looking across the entire organization.
1: That's a really interesting piece of this um, for me, Judy, and Sam, you know, on this podcast and certainly on our CX team, we talk a lot about the difference between what I like to call customer experience with lowercase c, right? Lowercase e, where everybody is responsible in some way for the customer experience. But then there are CX professionals, right? It is a business function. It has a set of priorities that we have defined and write research about and all of that stuff. Um, And sometimes it's difficult for companies to define the the difference between the CX pro and the general CX. But the point that you just made, Judy, I, I don't want that to get lost in a situation where, the entire supply chain is broken down, the CX pro can really, can take responsibility for things that they don't necessarily have to. Um, and really, it's a, it's an opportunity to show their value to the organization. Um, how do you think they, how have you seen them best accomplish that? Because I don't think, you know, if you've got, if we've got, Retailers listening to this, and and other and brand manufacturers, they're thinking, wait, I don't, I don't use my CX pros to solve my supply chain problems. How do you think CX leaders can can step up? What is their what is their value in this equation?
2: So I think it's less about the CX pros solving the supply chain issues, and more about them solving for the resulting problems. Um, but they should be working with other parts of the company. Um, you know, with the people who who are in charge of operations and supply chains to help find solutions. And, you know, as Judy was saying, see if you can find a way to get more products to customers, even if they're not necessarily the ones that, you know, they would want in an ideal world, but something that can fill that customer need anyway. This is a little bit different when you look at B2C or B2B2C of what we were just talking about compared with like a, a B2B So something we've heard is that for some B2B companies, think like a manufacturer of a chemical good or a um, pharmaceutical manufacturer, it's a lot less important to them to have something at a low price than it is to have the thing that they're depending on. So you want to work with other parts of the organization, maybe your customer success team, to see what the priorities are there. So they might be willing to pay a price premium to expedite the shipping to ensure that steady supply. Um, whereas a B2C customer probably doesn't wanna pay a premium for this toy when they could get that one instead for the holidays. So with with a B2B relationship, you wanna work with, with those parts of the organization that you have um, because you have that existing
3: relationship and you can get more info. And you also want to think about how you can pull in the information that you already have or that you can get really quickly. So we think about the folks that are doing the customer experience measurement, all the voice of the customer stuff, all the feedback, and then all the research. There's so much data that's available within a company that you should be able to pull from or that you can get very quickly to understand what are the customer needs? Because there's the thing that they're doing, the stuff that they're buying or the services that they're using. And then there's what they're actually trying to accomplish. And those may not necessarily be the same things even in normal times. So it's a matter of bringing all of that value that a customer experience leader can bring to bear, or that a person who's within a customer experience team can bring to bear. It doesn't always have to be the leader, but it's always nice if the leader's out there doing it. Um, And you want to network. You absolutely need to get out of what I refer to as your cubicle, virtual or otherwise, right? You can't just stay sitting at your desk pretending that this is someone else's problem. You're part of the organization. You need to get in the mix and roll up your sleeves and help solve the company's problems because that's another piece of customer experience being embedded as opposed to just being something kind of off to the side that you just do. It should be that you're in the mix with everything else, just like everyone else.
0: This is not just like a early 2022 phenomenon, right? Like this, it just appears to these factors continue to snowball because things continue to get delayed. And so if you start your point, Judy, embedding yourself in a way perhaps differently than you have historically, that can only best serve your organization and frankly, your customers, because these
2: dynamics aren't going anywhere anytime soon. Absolutely. And, um, If you look at, I mean, the shortages are predicted to last um, through the end of 2022 into 2023. Um, And even then when they're over, even if, you know, we get lucky and they end sooner, there will still be shortages, right? In the last year, we've had um, natural disasters. We've had economic and logistic problems. So this is not a short-term patch just to get through. Um, these kinds of logistical problems will continue to arise. So having a good mechanism in place and having CX embedded in different parts of the organization so that you can respond quickly to shortages is going to be vital in the future, not just in the immediate future. And you know, it might even be more relevant in the future, um, the longer term future, because right now everybody's going to be hit by these shortages. But next time, what if it's just you and not your competitor? So you really want to have that CX in place to help with the situation.
3: And then, in addition to that, getting out of your your cubicle and getting to talk to other people, we're already seeing that um, that that's going to be happening in another area as well. Come 2022, which has to do with privacy journey design. And so this is sort of that non-intuitive, not quite chocolate and peanut butter thing that has to do with CX leaders and privacy leaders getting together. Um, I I tend to think of this as maybe like chocolate and bacon, they go really well together, but you didn't expect it. Um, So privacy, the privacy journey design, we expect to become a key priority in 2022. and, And sort of how we got to this was that we found that more than a third of global security decision makers consider privacy to be a competitive differentiator. So we know that they're looking at that and they're saying, okay, this is really important for our business. And we also know that there are a lot of changes that are happening in the global regulatory framework. We've seen this with GDPR. We've seen this with CCPA and and more is coming. It's it's not just those two acronyms, those two rules. So we've got about a quarter of global consumers that are using some kind of a a tool to stop firms from being able to track their online activity. So I know there's been a lot of um, conversation within marketing circles about what do we do? It's like this impending Armageddon. We won't be able to get at this information. And it is important that you understand who your customers are and what it is that they're trying to do so that you can serve them better. It's not just about trying to sell them stuff. It's also about trying to make sure that you create long-term, lasting, loyal relationships that are good for everybody. So what we're expecting at this point is that come next year, 20% of European firms and 10% of um, US firms are going to turn their attention to privacy and consent journeys. And that means that the CX folks are going to need to get together with the privacy folks and talk about how to do this, map it out, think it through, figure out the business needs, the user needs, do some, dare I say it, prioritization, and figure out how to make this work better for everybody. So, there's more networking to come. It's it's not just on on one area. It's in lots of areas. And and to that point, given the nature of
2: privacy regulations and the way customers think about privacy and their information, this is not something where you just need to get out of your, your cubicle. As you were saying, it's really something where you need to collaborate with your partners outside your organization because a customer isn't going to care whether it was you or your vendor who lost their information. They just know that they gave you you know they trusted you and you let them down and they're not going to care which part of you or your extended ecosystem that was, um, and neither is the law. So you need to work not just internally across the organization, but really across organizations to make sure that you're doing that well.
1: As you guys know, I, I have a marketing background, and every time we would talk about this idea of knowing your customers, um, I would argue that, like knowing your customers, also means knowing what they're not comfortable with. It doesn't necessarily mean knowing everything there is to know about Judy as an individual, in the hopes that I can someday use all those individual data points in some way. It, it's a more holistic understanding of your customer and what they need as it relates to your business, not just sort of everything um, in the world. So with that as the, as the background and this focus on privacy and um, uh, crafting journey maps around this whole privacy and consent thing, the question is, what kinds of companies do you think are going to do it wrong? You don't have to actually name brand names. What kinds of companies do you think are most likely to get this wrong?
2: I think that one type of company that's going to run into issues around this are the ones who make their profit, not selling you something, but selling you to others. And so I think those companies are going to have to reconsider how they
3: show ads and what that business model is. The other possibility is gonna be firms that aren't traditionally internet native and who've only ever known that way. The companies that are trying to figure out what this whole internet thing is, are the ones that tend to stumble the most because they haven't really thought about, well, how do we manage this properly? On the flip side though, I think the ones that are going to be able to manage it well are the ones that are already thinking about those little moments. So I think of certain retailers, for example, who have audio versions of their privacy policies available on their websites. These are already people who are thinking about how are people engaging with this content? How are they using it? The folks that have been, and I'm so glad to see more of them doing this, rolling out the cookie selector tools where it's not just accept all cookies or leave the site or you know X this out and hope that nothing happens, but actually have a specific overlay that pops that enables you to see what cookies are um, being offered to you, what each of them does, and which ones you want and doesn't have some deceptive thing where you're more likely to accidentally click the, give me everything, but you're actually more attuned towards the selection of just the ones that I picked. So it's the folks that are are kind of already thinking about these sorts of things and already putting some of the stuff out there, or that have been thinking more carefully about moments within those journeys that I think you're going to do better. But I do worry about the folks that are, are still kind of struggling to get their act together online because uh, now is not the time to be an internet neophyte. We've got to get out of that mode.
1: Yeah, so it's an opportunity for, for CX to be embedded in privacy as a design as well, yeah.
3: And, and with that, um,
2: some of the, the things that you are just talking about, those are actually opportunities to build trust with your customers. So uh, in a report from, from a little while back, uh, we found an example of a brand that didn't just show you recommendations, they told you why those things were recommended to you, because of what you had clicked on, because of what other people had purchased um, alongside this product, that kind of a thing. And so that really helps customers understand that you're not just lurking and following them around the internet, but it's really based on information that you're giving them.
0: Yeah, and and doing it in a way using language that is understandable by not just a digital marketer as an example, but you know anyone who's visiting the site. Um, I've seen more of those pop-ups, Julie, Judy, that you've referenced, and it's it's good to see. I'm in marketing. I and we, you know, this is top of mind always. Um, and uh, it's just it's it's nice to see that that feels like it's being uh, you know implemented. Um, more regularly across you know, certain sites.
3: Yeah, it's, it's a cool thing. And as many of the digital user experience reviews as I've been doing lately, to be able to hold up more and more examples, even from some fairly unexpected places. I mean, there are some firms that are very traditional, have been around for quite a while, but they've been getting their cookie practices together. And I'm so proud of them because then I can hold them up as an example of a firm that's thinking about it. So I'm seeing more and more of it, and I think it's, it's not so much a matter of follow the leader, but you gotta, you got to become that leader at this point. We are not in a, a position to be able to assume that people are going to want to give up all of their information, and to Melissa's point, give up all their information for no specific reason. I mean, we're, we're taught as CX professionals not to ask questions that we don't intend to do anything and it should be the same thing with privacy. Stop asking questions of people that you can't actually use for some legitimate business purpose. Just asking it to ask it is not only wasteful, but it doesn't foster the trust that you need to build up to have that long-lasting relationship. It just looks like you're you're fishing for information. Judy, something you said
0: about the audio version of maybe a policy um struck me, I have personally not stumbled across something like that, but it does um, potentially segue into another prediction we have for 2022 around investment in accessibility um, and sort of the proliferation of um, more functionality or services around making, you know,
3: content and other things more accessible. Could you touch on that a little bit deeper? Sure. Um, And and there's some cool news that came out on this recently that I'll I'll get to as well. But um, what we're predicting, I'll just start with the top line. What we're predicting is the $10 billion in design spending is going to shift to the vendors and services that are committing to accessibility. And we've been seeing a couple of factors that have led to this. First and foremost, when we surveyed um, design teams in uh, Q4 2020 Global State of Design Team Survey, we found that 36% of respondents already have some kind of a top-down commitment to accessibility. So they're already seeing that these designers are are hearing from their leadership, yeah, 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 this, this matters to us. So that's important. But we also saw that year over year from 2020 to 2021, job listings that have accessibility in the title went up by 78%. So that's huge. That means that we're seeing this shift, that there's this understanding that people um, like me, who sadly have reading glasses stashed all over the house, are becoming more common. And so the notion of accessibility isn't something that's just sort of off to the side anymore. It has to be central to how you're designing your products and your services. And so the, the little news article that I actually had posted on LinkedIn a little bit ago was about AMC, which is this massive movie chain that said that they're going to commit to having a certain percentage of their screens with open captioning. So this isn't closed captioning where you have to get a specific device and you have to um, you know, use that device to be able to watch it because sometimes those captions then don't show up. This is, it's just gonna be on the screen for everybody. And the way they looked at it was, there are people that are just having trouble hearing and want to be able to uh, have some assist or assistance or there are people that just like it. My son, who has no issues with hearing, absolutely loves watching everything with closed captioning on because it just helps him understand what's happening better. So I think it's it's these moments where we see that kind of commitment to this this idea of accessibility, just being part of how you design everything, means that we can make all kinds of products and services easier for our customers to be able to interact with, and that's the kind of thing that becomes important as we all age which ultimately is a goal as much as we complain about it it's a goal and um, and functions start to break down or you know people may may have needs anyway or they just may prefer it so as we make those experiences more accessible they'll be more inclusive but that means you have to build this into your requirements it means you need to partner with your procurement teams and you need to make sure this is part of your RFPs and vendors me, Definitely, they, they can't ignore this either. They need to make sure it's part of their messaging, and it's also part of their delivery. It's not just words on paper. It's the things they actually do, and it needs to be in all of their responses to those RFPs. So they make it clear this is how we're solving for this challenge.
1: So let's go back to another topic on shortages uh, of a different kind, um, and that is the employee Shortages, especially in some industries. I was actually at a hotel last weekend, and um, uh, very understaffed. In fact, when you check in, there's a card in the the little folio with your um, with your ticket, and it says we're hiring for all of these positions. Uh, I wasn't surprised, right? Given that that we know what's happening in the hospitality industry, but obviously not everybody follows follows these trends the way we do, and some people were. Unhappy to the point of hostility. We've all read those stories, right? Like it takes you half an hour to get um, to order your dinner because there are only two servers and there's a whole restaurant full of people and, and people are not handling this well. So my question to you, and the question that went through my head as I was experiencing this is in 2022, do CX pros need to be more on the front line to to handle these sorts of um, upsets to the point of hostility, customers since CX pros are trained to deal with this sort of thing, or does it become the sort of thing where um, CX functions train other frontline workers on how to um, how to manage these things,
3: or is there some other solution entirely? So I, I think there's some interesting challenges here. One is you want to Equip your employees, whether they're on the front line or whether they're going to be uh, deployed to the front line unexpectedly, <laughs> with all of those diffusing tactics. You want them to understand what they're walking into. And um, in, in military, we refer to this as sit rep, like you need to tell them what's actually happening. Um, and so we've seen companies that have been doing this for years, like I think of Eurostar, who uh, there was an example I had seen a while back where there was a strike that had actually shut down the channel and there were no trains flowing from France into England. And so they had deployed back office workers to the front lines into the stations to be additional support. So while the folks that were working the counter were the ones who were handling some of the the folks who were very concerned about, like, how am I going to get from point A to point B? The back office workers were wearing these vests that helped identify them as Eurostar employees and they were passing out coffee and tea and sandwiches and stuff and just trying to make sure that people were as comfortable as possible. They were directing traffic. They were basically a a staff augmentation to the front line. So I think there's stuff like that. But in order for that to work, you have to train people so they understand the situation that they're walking into and they're not completely thrown off. But on the other hand, you also need to understand what your employees' daily journeys are like. And right now the daily journeys are a little rough. So this is a good opportunity to partner with the folks in your HR or employee experience team and map out that what's happening below the waterline, right? Customer experience people are often looking above the waterline, what's happening? What's the customer's journey? But they need to understand what's happening within the ecosystem and what the employee's journey is like so they can see where are the pain points the employees and what can we do to provide them more support and sometimes it may be just to remove them from a situation and put a manager in place or it may be to give them magic words and phrases or you know give them something like what ritz carlton does where they give their employees the ability to hand out money and and gifts and things just to make it easier on that specific experience so there are a bunch of different tactics but I think ultimately it starts with understanding what your employees experience is actually like so that to Sam's point you don't run into a situation where you're sacrificing your employees like grinding their bones to make your employees bread if you do that you're and you don't understand why you're experiencing attrition then you're missing the big point as to what's actually happening
2: yeah. and and I think that to to Judy's point Yes, look at what's below the waterline and what's above, but also the intersection there. Um, A relative of mine who works in the food service industry has been hugely affected by shortages. And the most yelling that she gets done at her by angry people waiting for their coffee is because they're out of their cinnamon, whatever, or caramel, whatever. I don't don't remember which syrup, but you understand the idea. Um, So having alternatives in place that they can suggest and having solutions to those issues can help keep them from getting burnt out on a daily basis by angry customers so it's really both sides and, and all of this impacts the rest.
0: this conversation strikes me that you're you're talking Sam about the intersection of certain situations and as we're discussing we're, we keep on re- referring back to the CX leader, the CX professional and how their skill sets and leadership, could be really helpful and to be more embedded across the organization. So what is your advice or guidance for CX leaders and their teams to, you know, where do they place their bets, spend their resources, invest their time to make the biggest impact here? Because clearly very valuable skills to be deployed internally, with employee experience, you know, external customer experiences, obviously. So I'm just kind of curious as to, I'm sure this is a conversation you have all the time with clients, right? But what, what is that guidance, especially, you know, staring at a 2022 where lots of dynamics are going to continue
3: to be at play? So as Sam mentioned, there's no one size fits all and prioritization would say that too. <laughs> it's going to depend on your organization. So I would certainly recommend, you know, number one, you need to be talking to other people within your company who are not part of your team. So talk to the, the key, the usual players, all the usual suspects. That means customer service, marketing, product, sales, all, all of the folks who are dealing with escalations and who have some kind of frontline responsibility. You wanna understand from them, what are the the pain points that they're seeing? What are the things where they need immediate relief so that you can put out any of the fires that are happening right now that need to be dealt with first and sort of get rid of the most immediate acute needs. Once you've gotten that stabilized, then it's a matter of from a, a business strategy point too, what do you do to help keep the company on its path? And that is probably going to mean deeper alliances with the same folks, plus also making sure that you're wrapping in other people who you may not be talking with on um, as regular of a basis. So for example, one of the things we saw pretty early on in the pandemic was that people were having trouble making their bills. And that wasn't just individuals, it was also companies. So you should be talking with your finance team. What's happening over in your accounts receivable? What can they tell you? Or credit and collections? What are they hearing? What acute pain have you not uncovered from them? Because the more that you can stabilize the cash flows coming into your firm, the better off the firm is overall. And so it's it's a matter of kind of understanding what the business is trying to accomplish and who the key players are and making sure you're talking with them and then focus where you can. It doesn't mean that you give up on all of your great aspirations for all the things that you wanna do from a customer experience standpoint. You probably have some amazing strategy that's in a beautiful PowerPoint deck and that really, really wants to breathe. But you also need to make sure you're taking care of what the business needs to do right now. And that means your strategy may need to shift to be able to accommodate those acute uh, training opportunities for the people who are on the front line or supporting the sales and the marketing team with just the right messages or some additional insights that are going to help them be able to solve for customer issues right now. So I, I would say, you know, start first with the acute stuff, with all of your, your key players, and then move from there into all the strategic stuff. Don't give up on your CX strategy, but don't assume that it, it needs to keep moving the way that it did in 2019. It, it has to be flexible and a living, breathing document, and not something that was chiseled in stone.
0: Thank you both for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.